Welcome to the Deceptively Fast Podcast. Today we have our weekly visits from Sean Pendergast and Michael Lombardi. Got into a whole bunch of great stuff with Michael Lombardi, including his disdain for the Dallas Cowboys, uh, his disdain for Mitchell Trubisky, his disdain for a lot of people. He was feisty today. It was a lot of fun. And uh, Sean Pendergast as well. Please subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on radio.com. That would be even better. And leave a review where applicable. Enjoy the show. Here we go, Sean Pendergast. Uh, let me let me guess. Off the top of my head, you were probably around five hundred last week on your picks. Yeah, three and three on my picks last week. You know who wasn't three and three on their picks last week? Who? Vegas. Oh, oh, Vegas took a bath. Vegas huh? got destroyed. This was one of the worst ones ever. I read. Yeah, Vegas. Vegas got destroyed. It Did was, people get killed over that? Uh, <laughs> they're like our guys are our guys getting uh, buried in the desert. You know what's funny about that is, with the with the legalization of gambling now in several states, right? It's probably less likely that bookies are going to get left in a hole in the desert because everything's. Not everything. It's above board. It's more above board than it was. Look, there's only nine states, I think, where it's been legalized. So there's still 41 states, including Texas, mm -hmm. where you're doing this out of a barber shop. Except the barber now has a website you can go to instead of actually you know, having to call a guy on the phone. I used to have to call a guy back in the day. The first, the first time that I ever gambled, you know, the first time I ever had a bookie was the year I got out of college. I was, I was living in Connecticut after college. I was back in my hometown. I'm in getting a haircut in the barber shop that I got my haircut at since I was like eight years old. Right. So it's, this is my barber since I was a little kid. And so we always talk sports and the Red Sox and stuff like that growing up. Now I'm an adult. I'm still going there to get my haircut. This is back when I had hair. And it was right before the Super Bowl where the Cowboys – kick the shit out of the Bills. Not, uh -huh. not the second one that was more competitive. Not the, right, not the Leon Lett one, but the first it, one. No, yes, the Leon Lett one. That was the Leon Lett one. The Leon Lett one. Okay. one. They had, the Cowboys won like 52-17 to 17 or yeah. something. The next year, the, 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 the Cowboys beat the Bills, but it was a more competitive game. Anyways, I'm sitting in the barber's chair, and, uh, and we get talking about the Super Bowl, and I'm like, man, I'd really love to place a bet on it. He goes, oh, you would. <laughs> and I said, yeah. He goes, hang on one second. He walks over to the phone in the barber shop, Guy's name is Roland, the yeah. barber. He walks over the phone, calls up, calls up. Uh, he says, "Hey Tom, I got one for you." It's almost like Zed in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, but like he didn't when he's even, calling uh, up Zed, he's like, "Yeah, yeah, the spider, the the, the uh, spider caught a fly." Did he know your parents? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, my dad went there to get his haircut and everything. That's. I wonder if he asked permission. He did not. I was 23 at the time. I'm I an guess. Adult. Yeah. I'm I, an adult. I still like almost out of respect, like in the old neighborhood. You know. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I know that's not the way we did it. I know what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> and and in those early days of betting, I probably could have used a regulator for sure. But so so the way it was done back then, he calls up. Who, he he says, "Hey Tom, I." got one okay hangs up the phone he said when we're done here go to vincent's sporting goods store i'm like that's where i've been buying my <laughs> sporting goods stuff since i was like seven and no, of I, course I, it was I said, vincent i said is tom tom vincent he goes yeah 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 so i go there and and it's so weird because this is a guy who was like helping me like fit myself for cleats when right, i was 12 right. years old and now he's like explaining to me how it's all done like 
you're you're going to call this number. He hands me a phone number. Oh, wow. And the guy's name is Jack. And So now you're on to the third level. Jack could be the third level Jack, of this, uh, Jack is the this guy operation. Who, Jack is the guy who's giving me the odds. Okay. So, I, so he gives me a phone number. I remember it to this day, 203-688. Well, I don't want to give it out on here. Yeah, don't do that. Um, but but uh, he said, you call. Guy's name is Jack. You call at 630. Uh-huh. He's going to have all the lines for the games at night on weeknights. You call on weekends at 1030. He's going to have all the lines for all the, the weekend games. And then you can call any time throughout the day. And he's this guy's just sitting by a phone taking calls. Jack was like sitting in the back room of a bar or something. Totally. Like you this. see in the Sopranos. Right. Where, where and so he was probably like part of an organization of some sort, right? Like yeah. These guys, your barber and this other guy from Vincent's are just kind of – Part-time dudes that well, they're, are, they're the owners of their two businesses, right? They're uh, but they're kind of they involved, maybe, but they, more. They, they just, may have been getting a little taste. Well, and they probably also maybe the mob had helped finance their businesses or something. I don't know. I, I don't want to. Like, yeah, I'm yeah, nervous I, having this conversation. <laughs> I don't know. Frankly, I mean, it's been like 25 years. I don't know that there was any mob involved. Yeah, yeah you know, just uh, Whitey Bulger just got killed in prison. <laughs> yes. 25 years, my ass. <laughs> he, was, he was 90 years old. Anyways, you just keep your mouth shut right now. <laughs> All right. So here's what you need to do when you edit this podcast: Seth, is just bleep <laughs> the names of the businesses out. So. <laughs> so, so, anyways, so yeah, so I he hands me a phone number, and then the way it worked was, was you know, like when you're if when you're at the end of the week, if you're up, you come yeah. in, I'll have an envelope of money for you. If you're down, you bring the money into me, and then on and on we go. And during foot during outside of football season, Monday Monday was the settle up day. During football season, Tuesday was the settle up day because everybody tried to make their money back on Monday night. Football. Right. So you guys are all going to the same place for these envelopes. The, uh, I don't know who else was even doing it. I just would stop in after work. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'd All stop right. in and act like I'm buying some uh, shin guards or something. <laughs> and then uh, the owner would come out and he'd say, yeah, come on. And i go in the back and he's got an envelope or I had to hand him an envelope. Those people very, in the neighborhood are like, that discreet. little Shawnee Pendergast, he's <laughs> so active. <laughs> yeah, he's so right. into athletics. Look at him. Yeah, wow. <laughs> he's always in the sporting goods store. So anyways, so... I, I say all this to say that there were sporting, uh, there were sports books taking a bath all over the place right. this weekend, and there were probably mob bodies strewn everywhere, even still this weekend because there's still a lot of the underground going on. They just Some have of the websites. smaller, uh, the smaller people or the smaller operators. Yeah. I guess the question though is that when it's the I mean, it's uh, not as many people are going to end up dead when it's the mob itself, or excuse me, the book itself that. Probably took not. the because they've got the money to yeah, cover it. Yeah, and, and, and it's not the it's not the book's fault. Yeah, because they're they're just getting the odds from somebody. Yeah, they're taking. It's not like it's not like they've got some little odds maker that's setting the line in their shop. Yeah. They're just hopping off of like the big casinos. If right? we're yeah yeah exactly. If we're prioritizing the order of of uh, the if, if the mob had a big board of people they're looking to kill. Yeah, it would be. Um, uh, I would say number one on the list would be like. Uh, loose cannon soldiers in their crew. Like uh, I was watching Goodfellas last night, like Joe Pesci and Goodfellas right. when he beat up Billy Bats. Yeah. That would be number one because you can't have that in your crew. Number two would be anybody in the enemy who's causing any problems. Number three would be delinquent de- delinquent degenerate gamblers and not that, paying their not paying their VIG. And that reaches that it takes a while to boil up to the level of uh, getting off because of yeah, it. I wonder if even then because usually few, those guys yeah, they're gonna take all your stuff. Yeah, they break a few bones. But they're first. not gonna kill you over it. Because no. I feel like that's bad for business too. They don't yeah. want to completely discourage people from like, Shit. hey, if things go south, you might end up dead. Especially nowadays, as Tony Soprano would say, yeah, you know, DNA and shit, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a big hassle. Uh, um, it, it was kind of nice. In a way, 
It felt kind of wholesome to see Whitey Bulger get killed because he was a rat. I didn't think it even happened anymore because I thought everything yeah. was everybody was so ing- I thought the culture of snitching was so ingrained now because it's been going on for 40, 50 years yeah. with the FBI that I, I didn't realize that you could still get off that way for like something that happened many years before. Yeah, that's why I'd like to see a team who really likes to run the football win a Super Bowl. You like to know that old school football. Yeah, old school the, football you know, like, and mob thuggery. And mob thuggery. I like to know that those things, those sensibilities are still around. But yeah, back to the original point, Bovada had their worst day in the history of their website on Sunday. Wow. Which would... It, it would be logical that I would go three and three on a day where the books have their worst day because I consider myself to be kind of an in between. You're uh, you're, you're working your way towards being a sharp. Well, but but I don't always have sharp bets. Like right. the sharps are usually got sharps are generally speaking. Well, they're always looking for an edge. They're always looking for a line that's off. But if you picked one side or the other where sharps are normally on, they're usually on dogs. Where you, and I've got one of those in my, oh, okay. my best bets this week. <clears throat> I. I usually have a, squ- a a play or two in mind that people will go. Well, that's a really square play. Sometimes they come in, sometimes they don't. But I'm I'm kind of a moderate when it comes to sharp and square. The one thing that's interesting this week, I think probably the one that jumped out at me is you've got the Bengals plus five and a half over the Saints. Um, yeah, I guess that, given, that, that given jumped the, out at Twitter too. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. Well, given the splurge that you saw the other <laughs> night um, versus one of the best teams in the league, the Los Angeles Rams, I uh, it caught my attention too. I am curious just exactly what the Des Bryant edition effect is, like in, in the short term. And I, you know the first thing I thought, in a weird way, I don't know why this is the first thing I thought. It really doesn't apply now that I'm saying out loud. Um, but, like, I think there's value in Des Bryant. Let's say Des Bryant's going to actually be really good, that, that he'll have a rebirth somehow in yeah. being in this new organization. But – in the same way that when, like, Russell Westbrook used to be injured and then come back and play for Oklahoma City, remember there were times where it seemed like they were actually better without Russell Westbrook? Yeah, sure. That somehow just injecting that injecting that different player all of a sudden disrupts the flow enough in the short term. Yeah. Um, now, this would be extreme because Des Bryant doesn't know the offense, um, and they're, they're going to be careful with him, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's still – it's such a finely tuned machine already, even though they only have one good wide receiver. Does that mess up the flow at all? Yeah, I don't think it does. I Now, this for the purposes of this game, De- I was reading today, Des might not even play this right. Sunday. So he may not even play. I, I think I, I get what you're saying with the Russell Westbrook thing. I think the thing about a guy like Westbrook is he's so integral to everything that they're doing on the floor that when he comes back, it's inherently going to – going to be some sort of disruption, either positive or negative, because he's got the ball in his hand so much. Yeah, I wish I hadn't even said it now that That's I said okay. it out loud. It does, it's completely different. Yeah, but Dez is – I think Dez knows the deal going in. He's the number two in this situation. Mm-hmm. So all Dez has to be to, to provide something to this Saints offense is just be much better than what they were getting out of that second receiver position, which was almost nothing. Mm-hmm. This offense has been almost entirely Michael Thomas and then the two running backs – um, Kamara has Kamara and Ben Watson have been their next two best receiving threats. Um, and Drew Brees, I think, I think there's a Drew Brees, Drew Brees effect on any receiver that's above a certain talent level that they bring into that offense. And I think Dez is above that talent level. He's obviously in shape, or they wouldn't have signed him, I don't think. So he worked out okay for them. Um, so I, I think he's going to provide something as long as he knows who he is at this point you know what I mean oh like, yeah if he's been humbled a little bit then I think it could be a really good move for the I, Saints. A, a humble Des Bryant's an interesting 
prospect because I don't know if anybody thought it's no it thinks he- it's possible. But it's like <laughs> this is the first time. Look, he's coming from a system in which the last couple of years he'd been with a very young quarterback playing for Jason Garrett, who's not known as running the tightest ship in the world. I mean, it's impossible. Maybe Jason Garrett in another organization would be a disciplinarian or something. Yep. But he's he's working with Jerry Jones material. I wonder just what we're going to see out of Des Bryant. But I also know, like you said, if he plays at all this week, I would imagine Sean Payton noticed about something about how Demarius Thomas was with the Texans last week where they came in and they scripted it and and got him involved very early. Yeah. But in the second half, it was very clear, clear that Demarius <laughs> Thomas didn't know the checks, didn't know exactly what he was supposed to and be doing. And he used timeouts because he's shrugging right. his shoulders looking at Deshaun. Yeah, and Demarius Thomas is like a kid from Georgia Tech. He's not Des Bryant. It's like right. Demarius Thomas is a, a very bright individual. That's right. That's right. Let me ask you this. <clears throat> I brought this up on the show yesterday relative to Des Bryant. You bring up Demarius Thomas, and I think they're two interesting – they're the perfect guys to juxtapose in this because they were drafted in the same year. They were drafted, like, I think three or four picks apart. They got their contracts, their big contracts, like, within two days of each other, and they were the, for the exact same overall. They were both five-year, $70 million contracts. Remember, that was the yeah. offseason where they were they, – there was, like, this standstill with all the teams. Like, everybody just was staring at each other, waiting for somebody to move because Des Bryant and Demarius Thomas were both free agents. And I think that made them – the the two highest non-Megatron wide receivers that offseason. Um, the the Saints traded a fourth and a seventh round pick uh, a week and a half, two weeks ago for Eli Apple. Yeah. If the Saints could do it over again, do you think they would have rather held off on the Eli Apple trade Oh, and, and traded if, if 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 they knew that the the going rate for Des uh, for Demarius Thomas was going to be a fourth rounder and some some shrapnel. Uh, do you think they'd rather have Demarius Thomas for a fourth or Des Bryant and Eli Apple for a fourth and a seventh? You know, depending on what Eli Apple is, because now they've got two. I don't. I don't even know what to call Eli Apple. I, I guess maybe he was just immature in his first couple of years, and I think that's what they're hoping. It, he seems to be a, like a good kid, but maybe just doesn't quite get something. Well, his mom needs to get out of his life. Right. Like his mom. His, talks his mom too can't much. be talking smack about the owner. No, his mom talks too much. Let me ask. She's you, like a classic millennial mom. Yes. She's complaining about her son's boss. Yeah. You, you can't do that <laughs> on social media. Yeah. Um, can there be an effect? We always talk about receivers where you go, okay, well, for Des, for example, you go, okay, you know, the perfect situation for him is where they've got a number one, and that's what the Saints are. Eli Apple going to a team. Now, the Giants had Janoris Jenkins, I guess, but Eli Apple going to a team. Janoris Jenkins, I think, is on the downside. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lattimore, the the lead corner for the Saints, is in his second year. He's an up-and-coming. He, he's going to be a pro bowler for the next three or four years. Is there an effect now for Eli Apple where maybe playing across from a guy like that, he's not going to draw the assign? He'll draw assignments that are more conducive to him being worth that fourth in the Well, seventh. and I think and they can also manage those guys' strengths better. Yeah. You know, they can manage what their strengths and weaknesses are, and you don't necessarily have to put them in tough positions. So I think that can help a lot. I, yep. think, it, I think for young players especially, you know, we saw this with DJ Swearinger. Uh uh, who was just, in, in a lot of regards, showed some promise, but was also a mess in a lot of ways in, in Houston and then elsewhere, but then finally figured it out. I think what change of scenery, all of a sudden, like, you can almost psychologically reset yourself and have all the better aspects of your game come to the forefront because you have a chance to start with a, like in, a, with a clean slate, make yeah. a new impression. Kyle Lowry when he went to Toronto. Yeah, that's um, a good example. So that between that and then actually just managing his strengths and weaknesses better, I think you can see that. I also think that if they had to choose between Eli Apple and Des Bryant, you know, one is clearly a long-term proposition yeah, in Eli true. Apple versus <laughs> – Okay, now Des Bryant versus Demarius Thomas. I think Demarius Thomas gives you more of a certain 
immediate upgrade. Yeah. Um, Des Bryant, I just I'm shocked by the fact that he's 30 years old and we're talking about him like he's washed up. Like 30 is not 30 is middle aged for a receiver. You should still be getting at least two more productive years. 30, and it's been three years since he's been right. At, at the, he's three years since they've been what the Cowboys thought they were getting when they paid him. I think you just answered my question, but forget about the cost of doing business to get either guy. Just straight up. Weeks 11 through 7, or now we're, yeah, no, weeks 11 through 17 is what we're going to be when the Texans take the field next. Who's more productive for their team, Demarius Thomas or Des Bryant? I think Demarius Thomas yeah. ends up being, just because I, I, I it's not going to be as big of a change, you know, and, and Des is going to be probably playing in the slot a whole bunch, which means you really got to learn the nuances of the offense um, and it, where, where Demarius will be able to play more just of his normal conventional role. Yeah, and I think, I, I think too, when you look at what each of those teams do well, and certainly the Saints do more things well offensively than the Texans, the Saints have an elite running game that they can lean on. It, yeah. it could be where Des Bryant, just talent-wise, is just as good as Demarius Thomas, but they don't need him to do certain – Demarius Thomas is going to be asked to do certain things for the Texans once he gets the playbook all mm -hmm. figured out, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. for sure. And, you know, like, and he can add a different element to it. Yeah. The Saints are going to be fine on offense regardless. Until, yeah, that's true. Until, until Drew Brees' arm falls completely off, yep. they'll be all right. Okay, Patriots – Minus six and a half over the Titans. Did you want me to? Uh, did you want to? Oh, I don't know. I don't know that we mentioned what my pick is. In did that we Saints even? I, I started game. it off. You, yeah. said, you took the Bengals. Yeah, I did take the Bengals. Yeah, that's yeah. You mentioned it. Just just to be clear. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, then we got talking about Des Bryant. Yeah. Yeah, we did. We did. I and I'll do the brief explanation on why I took the Bengals. I took the the Bengals are. I saw plus five and a half yesterday. My guess is that line could even go up a little bit just because the Saints are a. A bit of a square play here, and and the recency, like you talked about, the the most recent image we have of the Saints is is beating the Rams, Just outpacing the Rams. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the undefeated Rams and the Bengals. They won last week, but they coughed up a yeah, gigantic lead to 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 Fitzy and company. Um, so. I have the Bengals plus five and a half. The Saints are clearly the better team, but it's a situational play for me here. The Bengals are at home in this game, obviously. It's a sandwich situation for the Saints. You just come off of that super high of knocking off the only undefeated team in the league in the Rams. That thing was built up like an in-season NFC title game. The talk of the implications in the postseason of the Saints winning that game, the jubilation of winning that game. You look ahead to next week. The Saints go back home, and they have the Eagles coming to town, the defending Super Bowl champs. So you you have two situations in a three-game set where it's being built up to be some sort of Super Bowl title type of situation. Even though the Eagles are only 4-4, four and four, probably 5-4 and four going into that game after they beat the Cowboys. In between is this the one of the least meaningful games of the season for the Saints, a road AFC North game against a, against a capable opponent. It's, you know, and it's for whatever reason – uh, like and I think this might be going back 30, 40 years. I used to be in the same division as the Bengals. Mm -hmm. It's hard to get up for the Bengals. There's yeah. just something about that damn organization and that team right. and their stupid uniforms. I just it's hard to get up for those games against the Bengals. Um, and Marvin Lewis and the whole milk toast bunch of them. I do wonder too is if Tyler Boyd's your number one guy. Uh, with AJ Green, if AJ Green misses time, yeah. I just I don't he's, know. You can't just take his stats and say he's gonna increase those or replicate those same stats. No, Boyd's been good this year though. Yeah, he, he's he's been solid. I I I think again, like I said, I if if we just want to go numbers on this thing, DVOA roster guys well, who I, are injured. I also it, think that's already baked into that line too. Probably the, so. the Tyler Boyd. I think if AJ Green is healthy, that yeah. line is clearly different. Which actually. 
speaks to the Bengals being more of a real threat than than people really want to give them credit for. I think. Five and a half's a big number yeah. at home for a team that's not a bad team. Yeah, you know, uh, Patriots over Texans, uh, or, or excuse me, over Titans. Yep. And this is in Tennessee. You are picking the Patriots at minus six and a half. My first question would be: Is Mike Vrabel in the Belichick coaching tree? Uh. He's more like a shrub that's planted right next to it. And almost right? like, you know what it is? I feel like in music, it would be like if this was one of his musical influences. If Mike Vrabel was a musician, yeah. it's, not like he, it's not like he, you know, toured with the Beatles or anything, but the Beatles were an influence. Yeah. I feel like Bill Belichick was an influence on Mike Vrabel, but he's never actually coached for him. He's never been in the meetings and everything. Right, right. Or like back in the day, like when Belichick was winning Super Bowls with Vrabel, as a player, because everybody talked about how smart Mike Vrabel was, how he was like a coach on the field. It's like the coaching staff, if they were a band, to use your musical analogy, then those Super Bowls, the songs, the title of who sang the song would be Belichick coaching staff featuring Mike Vrabel. Right. You know, they get a little like a little subtitle. They, they, you know, a little FT yeah. dot whoever the artist is. It feels like it's on 90% of my <sighs> kids' songs that they download nowadays. Boy, but he did get to observe that coaching staff for a long time up close and personal and What's see your, them in a way that, that few people do. One through 32, head coaches in the NFL. Where oh, do you boy. put Mike Vrabel right now? Mike Vrabel right now? Right now. Because oh. that's all that matters for this game is where is he right now. Okay. Oh. <laughs> all right. Well, just, I mean, what, by record alone, we just, put just, him a little just, bit just, below 500. He's 4-4. Four and four. Yeah. He's 4-4, four and four, but we know that we know he had a win that he, you know, he had a good hit. We beat the Eagles. He he's, beat the Texans. Yeah. He's 4-4. Four and four. He's on a team with offensive challengers and a quarterback that's been banged up. Um, They're 22nd he, in DVOA. He has limitations, but the defense has been very good and he is a defensive-minded coach. I yeah. almost want to give him more – I hate it when guys come in and their area of specialty sucks. So he has done well with the defense. Yep. I'm going to say – I'll give him a, a 16 right now, a gentleman's 16. Middle of the pack. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's – which for a guy who's eight games into his career, that's not bad. Yeah. Now, the, he's going against the master this weekend. He's going against, you know, I think the guy everybody has is one or two mm-hmm. on their list this weekend. My point is, Rabel's exceeded expectations for me so far as a head coach. You know, just his – what did you think of him going for two in that Chargers game? Um, I, I actually felt like, in terms of being a tone setter and all of that, I was okay with it. I, I was like, too. It was, and wait, the only thing the I would play say, call stunk. The only thing I would say is yes, the play call stunk, and also. I, again, I didn't watch every snap, but I felt like they were the better team in the yeah. second half there. And I that I too. thought maybe, and especially the Chargers, remember, that was in London, right? It was. The Chargers had played in Cleveland, and then, so they spent, they went to Cleveland, stayed in Cleveland, and yeah. then flew to London. So they were in the middle of a two-week road journey, and Halfway playing in London, I felt like, you know what, you played better in the second half, just beat them down physically yeah. at the end of the game. Um, but I also kind of respect coaches whenever they feel like, you know what, if we can win the game right now, we're going to win the game I right now. I think it's tough to leave it up to a coin toss when there's a good quarterback on the other side. That's a good point. <laughs> you know, yeah. like if Phillip Rivers is who's a guy having who, the this season of his career. Yeah, who can go down – who can, who that game could get you a touchdown in one play. Yeah. The touchdowns they scored in that game were, were plays over the top where the Titans made big mistakes in the secondary. I'm assuming at least one of them was against Malcolm Butler because he stinks all of a sudden. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, I have the Patriots in that game uh, – Seth, to you know, and to answer your question, I you know, Vrabel, I see as sort of a, a tangent, you know, to the to the Belichick coaching and I, tree. Yeah, and I messed this up. Okay, I'm, I'm seeing your system now. This is the first time I copy and pasted your scores directly. Oh, cool. So you are because it's an all caps. You're picking the Titans over the Patriots. Uh, uh, no, no, no. I'm, oh, you no, are the Titans the- are the home team. 
Oh, See, all Patriots right. Patriots minus six and a half over the Titans. You are taking that's all right. Okay, you're taking the Patriots. Caps minus are the six Caps mean home team, and then yeah, so I'm taking the Patriots. Yeah, I also I like the fact that the Patriots look uh, like they do every year. They get better and better on defense as yeah. it goes along, and I think that because you look at the Titans, I think right now Deion Lewis is kind of the key to that offense. You know, Marcus Mariota is certainly, but I think the one stable thing they can rely on is Deion Lewis. And if Bill Belichick can focus on one stable thing, he will attack that one stable thing, and then you're SOL on well, everything Well, especially else. when he had that one stable thing yeah, on his I roster know, he for knows the last exactly. three years. Like, Who, by the way, James White so far is on pace to double Deion Lewis's touchdown production from last year with yeah, the Patriots. Yeah, James White has been a nice fantasy option for people this year. So, yeah, I I would agree with you that. I mean, just and one very basic thing about this, short week for the Titans yeah. playing a Monday night game, and, and, and a Monday night game on the road. So, you know, they weren't back till 4 in the morning, and um, Tuesday, you know, they were dead on Tuesday and Wednesday, I'm sure. And I don't get the sense that the Titans are just a, a – Incredibly hard place to play there in Tennessee. Nope, nope. So I got Patriots minus six and a half over the Titans. My guess is I think that's a line that may have gone up to seven, so just be careful. The line surprised me in this one a little bit, and it's Colts minus two and a half uh, over the Jaguars. Okay, it surprised me too. Yeah. That's how it winds up as being a best bet. Which way did it surprise you? It surprised me in that the Colts weren't favored more. Yes. Yeah, okay, I, so I really uh, like, that. especially just given the inertia of these two teams or the yeah. moment or lack of momentum for the Jaguars um the Jaguars in their pass rush even though they got it going in their last game somewhat versus the Eagles mm-hmm. um there's just they're not the same team no. as they were last year and, and then even if they were the Colts offensive line all of a sudden is actually solid and dependable and I think even if the Jaguars do start to get going the pass rush going a little bit the the Colts are just starting to look more like what they should have looked like at various times the last few years yeah I don't I I just boy Every time I watch the Jaguars now, it's downright depressing. The the just that they haven't seized on and capitalized off of any of the things they did last. The year. bad thing, if you're a Jacksonville fan, is it's going to get worse. Oh, they're cap. They're, well, they're they're already they're the second worst team in terms of cap situation next year. Yeah, they're building. They the this the the whole decision to extend Blake Bortles is going to plague this team for the next handful of years because what it forced them to do was was overspend in these other places to make sure that everything else was had to everything else they it had to be good. They couldn't be rebuilding anywhere on that team. And so they spent they were the one team in free agency this year, Seth, where I'm sure it was the same for you guys on Mad Radio. We're looking at each other going, where are the Jags getting all this money? Oh, I know. Like, and they, you know because Andrew, it's been three years that they spent. <laughs> yeah, they've been like they, – and so it has to come back to roost at some point. And, and like you said, you've looked ahead already and seen what their situation looks like. There's like a salary cap atomic bomb ready to go off on them in the next year or two. And then the Colts, meanwhile, are in great – cap space like they're the one for the people that have the argument that hey once you pay a franchise quarterback you're kind of screwed because you can't fill the team around them the Colts are like top three in terms of cap space having the most cap space next year despite having played paid Andrew Luck and they've got extra draft choices yeah. from the Jets trade when they the Jets traded up to get Sam Darnold so I, I like Chris Ballard the general manager there I think he does a good job I like them. I like them again. I like them as being the Colts. I haven't looked. I, I don't have their schedule off the top of my head, but I, that's going to be a team that's going to be a little undervalued over the next few games. When they were one and five, I think I said it on this podcast. I know I said it on my show. When they were one and five, and everybody else in the division was three and three, I said that the, if there's any fan base that probably has the most confidence in the direction of their team, it's the Colts. Mm-hmm. Even though they were one and five, we know that that was a. When you're handicapping things and you're just trying to assess subjective things as opposed to just, hey, it's the standings and we won these games, the Colts were 
doing things at one and five that were going to translate going forward in the schedule. Like you said, they were protecting Andrew Luck. They were they they started to run the football with Marlon Mack a little bit. They they obviously the young players they drafted oh, high in this Patrick Quinn Darius Nelson, Leonard and Darius Leonard their yep. top two picks really good picks in 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 those drafts fixtures on that team and, he, and most important thing Andrew Luck appears to be healthy again and that's and let's be honest Jim Irsay has a way of stumbling ass backwards into good fortune <laughs> yes I, I haven't really sat down and looked at and thought about Frank Reich much much but it would make perfect sense that Jim Irsay may have stumbled ass backwards into Frank Reich being a good coach. after trying to hire that, Josh that, right did he botch yeah. that or whatever however that happened Josh McDaniels probably caught Jim Irsay in the middle of some weird flight of fancy and started thinking about Bill Belichick and his uh, how, how solid he is. Yep. I don't know. They they have the Jags this weekend, and I will, we'll hit the pick on that here in a second. Home for the Titans, they'll be favored in that game. Home for the Dolphins, they'll be favored in that game. At the Jags, by then the Jags could be spinning wildly out of control, and the Colts might be one, two, three. The Colts might be six and five going into that game. And and then they play at the Texans. That Texans game, all of a sudden, if the, if the Colts go on a little run here, that Texans home game, the the third of a three straight home game stretch for the Texans, that could have some fun little juice to it on yeah. Sunday afternoon. It's uh, the AFC South. I I feel good about it. Um, depending on what the Titans can do, and also, uh, and that's the one big wild card in this game is that Leonard Fournette's back from injury. And I know yeah. that there were uh, there were these all those stats that showed that maybe they were actually better off without Leonard Fournette. I I think to some degree that was just kind of. Freakishness. Coincidence. Yeah, statistical yeah. freakishness. Yeah. Uh, the way they're built and the way they're constructed, at the very least, you got to try to control the clock somewhat. Yeah. You can't expect Blake Bortles to be good controlling things for you. Yeah. So maybe, maybe that's the one wild card that I didn't factor in here. That's one of the real keys handicapping to me this time of year is when there's been enough games to where you can get a gauge on a team, but maybe not enough games to where their record has the record has sort of evened out to what you feel their trajectory or talent level yeah. are. Finding some under 500 teams. I missed, I whiffed badly on Atlanta last week. Well, that's the, in the Falcons, Washington. yeah. And you kind of look at the Falcons because they started off, what, two and four? Yeah. And you write them off mentally. Yeah. And and now all of a sudden you realize, like, oh, okay, it, just, it a, took them a while to get going. That was a bad job by me last week on that one. I, I didn't want to make that same mistake this week. I feel the Colts, I know they're three and five, but I felt they were better than a one and five team. Inherently, I've got to feel like they're a better team, even though they've only beaten the Bills and the Raiders the last two weeks. They beat them both handily. You know, they took care. Of, they, that that was a taking care of their business kind of thing. And this is a this is a home game against. This is a home game where the loser of this game, the season's over. We, I feel like we say that like for the, each of the last three weeks. I feel like there's games we've been saying that around the NFL. So in theory, are people's seasons really over right now? If we've right. been saying it the last three weeks, but it, both teams at three and five, the Jags. There's no real dream crusher thing going on with the Colts. I think this season was gravy. If the Colts if the Colts went six and ten, but Andrew Luck made it through the season healthy, that's successful. The Jags were thinking Super Bowl this year, man. Oh yeah. And, so and without think, without the hope of Blake Bortles really turning into anything more than what he was last yeah, year. Yeah, like last year was the ceiling for him. Yeah. Andrew Luck's Andrew Luck's twenty nine years old in a league in which you can anticipate you can if you have a quarterback like Andrew Luck, now he's different because his shoulder, mm -hmm. but like let's say he makes it through the season completely healthy and yeah. it looks like his shoulder is fine. I anticipate guys like Andrew Luck playing until they're 40 now. Yes. As long as he can continue to not get hit. That's been the big difference with him this year, too, is he's not getting hit or sacked nearly as much as he was like early in the year and, and throughout the rest of his career. Yeah, or throughout the rest of his career yeah. is what I was going to say. Like Throughout his career, he's been getting hit. So this shoulder thing was, in some ways, it was a long time coming. Um so, yeah, I, the, the line on this game, is it, it, at least when I put my pick up, was two, uh, Colts two and a half. 
anything under a field goal with a favorite, I feel really good about. Because really, if it's under a field goal, ninety percent chance they just need to win the game. Mm-hmm. You know, because because uh, most of these games are decided by three or more points. Um, I love this pick. I know they're both three and five. The Colt. These are two teams that are going in completely opposite directions in my mind right now. So I love that. I love the Colts. Minus two That's what I would have taken as well. Yeah. Uh, what do you have your college picks this College week? picks, I'll fire them quickly here. Um, I have Michigan State plus three and a half over Ohio State. Mm. That's a play against Ohio State, yeah. more so than a play on Michigan State. Ohio State has been, even though they're 10th in the rankings, they've only lost one game. They have not looked good. They look like a dysfunctional team. They should have lost to Nebraska last week at home. Michigan State's moving in a different direction now since that loss to Michigan. They're playing pretty good football. It's, it's in East Lansing. They're catching more than a field goal. I think this is probably a field goal game. I think Michigan State wins the game outright, if you want to know the truth. And we don't have to talk about Ohio State running the table and what that might mean to the playoffs anymore. So I have Michigan State plus three and a half. This week, I just said, you know what? I'm going to get on this Alabama train. (laughs) It's this big money train that everybody has been climbing on. You keep waiting for it to to flip over, right? But uh, they keep exceeding expectations. Well, where where I've been making money on Alabama this year is on Alabama in the first half. Because these Alabama games all tend to go the same way. They they go out to this big lead where it almost they're, they're playing against themselves for the first half. You know, they're, they're racing to see how many points they can score. And then in the second half, Nick Saban just shuts it down and runs the football. And so the, the spread of the game always seems to be a little bit in peril. But the first half has been a real moneymaker for me and a lot of people this year. The, the books have kind of adjusted to that and made yeah. the first half lines uh, inflated by a couple of points. But Mississippi State can't score. When they've played good teams this year, they've scored in single digits each time. I, Alabama, I, I this this is a game that feels like a 38-10 to 10 kind of game for me here. Um, so Alabama minus 24, I'm going to climb on that. And I like the Cougs this week against ah. uh, Temple. The Cougs losing to SMU last week, bad spot. Um, and they're only laying four and a half. Temple's been a nice surprise this year. They're five and four. They played UCF pretty solid on a Thursday night last week. Um, but I think this is a big bounce back spot for the Cougs, who even though they lost to SMU, still control their own destiny to win the AAC, and they still have a puncher's chance at maybe getting that New Year's Six bowl bid, although that looks like it's probably going to go to the to either UCF if they win the AAC or the winner of the Mountain West Conference. You know, we were talking about Andre Ware in the year he won the Heisman, which was 1989, I believe. It was. Um, and it, I, I ended up getting a bunch of feedback from, from Cougs, as we tend to do, uh, about just how – because I kind of uh, – I didn't quite give – credence to what it was like to play in the old Southwest Conference. Yeah, you I know, heard you like, talking about yeah, that. Yeah. And, uh, which is true. I was wrong there. But it was, you know, it's just so strange now to look at Houston and what they're up against in terms of national recognition yeah. because of the conference in which they play compared to when Andre Ware won the Heisman. They were they were suspended that year. They were. So their games weren't televised live. Yeah. Um, and but uh, and the fact that he won in a year in which they were suspended and the games weren't televised That's live the crazy was thing. Yeah. That's the crazy but, thing yeah, about it. Like, but they were in the old Southwest Conference. They're playing A&M. They're playing Texas. They're playing all the big Different ones. type of schedule than the Cougs play and now. that was so. the year before. When did Arkansas leave? I don't think they left until like 91 or 92. Yeah, so around was, then. It was yeah. before the dissolution of the league. Yeah, the, well, the dissolution of the league was in 90, 96 was the yeah. first year of the Big 12. Yeah. Um, so the dissolution of the league came uh, – Came came four or five years later, but uh, yeah, I heard you talking about that this morning. So I like the Cougs this well, week. Thanks for thanks for back. not correcting me in time. Huh? Thanks for not texting in and correcting me. I was too late. <laughs> I know. Well, we had, that was all in the middle of uh, Landry, uh, Landry and Paul Gallant getting yeah. in a fight. So we had a big fight on air this week. Those morning. two are building to a match at WrestleMania. I <laughs> uh, appreciate it, man. Good luck on your picks this week. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. Good luck to everybody out there.
And I thank Sean, as always, for that. He's always awesome. Uh, I'm going to start off our interview with Michael Lombardi with a little clip from Jason Kelsey where he's talking about the Cowboys organization. And he goes scorched earth. Jason Kelsey, the all-pro center. I assume he's all-pro. He's really good. Um, The very good center from the Philadelphia Eagles. Going all in on the Cowboys organization their fans, their history, all of this. Michael Lombardi shares a similar disdain for the Cowboys, not the organization necessarily, but the way Jerry Jones and Jason Garrett conduct themselves. So I will, uh, he'll get to that eventually. We'll start off the interview with this little bit from Jason Kelsey, and then we'll roll into our conversation from Mad Radio with Michael Lombardi this morning on the Mad Radio Morning Show with my co-hosts Paul Gallant and Mike Meltzer, who are awesome and do a great job with the universe, uh, with the interview as always. There's certainly a rivalry there. We play them twice a year. Uh, you know, everything's heightened. I, w- I would say m- mostly I just don't think that a lot of players in particular me um just don't really like the 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 franchise or the organization what it stands for uh what it's always stood for um you know i mean this goes back to to the lockout uh you know when you know they're getting replacement players and how outspoken the dallas cowboys franchise was and uh ending that and um you know i've just never really appreciated what the organization and what its fans really stood for you know Nice. A lot of fair weather people from uh, across the country uh, that just kind of fell in love because they're winners instead of having any type of emotional connection to the team whatsoever. We are joined now by the author of Gridiron Genius, Michael Lombardi. He also writes for The Athletic. He has a great podcast on The Ringer. And, Michael, oh, I, I was thinking about you and you alone at the end of the Texans-Broncos game because you are a connoisseur of late-game management. And when Vance Joseph made the cardinal sin of getting close enough to attempt a field goal versus getting close enough to actually make a field goal at the end of the game, I, I assume that you were either, like, stalking around your living room, angry, throwing things. What, what were you doing? Well, I think you go back to the first half. I mean, I was perplexed in the first half. You try a 61-yard field goal with 23 seconds left, and your opponent has two timeouts. So it just run the numbers. I mean, you don't have to be Einstein to figure out that if you miss this field goal, there's a good chance you're going to give up three points, especially in mile high. So that, that mistake cost fans three points. And then at the end of the game, his mismanagement, I mean, he, gets a, he really gets a prayer answered on the 4th and 12, I think it was, when Sanders makes the great catch inside yep. and they convert the first down. And God answered his prayer. And then he went ahead and said, no, thank you very much. I really don't want to win the game. I'll just give it back to the, to the Texans, and we'll try this 51-yarder. I know he made a 44-yarder earlier in the game, but the reality of it is, is why take a chance? He had, he had 40 seconds, so he exchanged 30 seconds for five yards. Tell me when that works. You know, this is the third time where O'Brien has clearly benefited from the late-game decision of the coach on the opposing sideline. Um, and I... I guess I don't want to be too much of a homer here, but I want to be a homer, I guess. Uh, is there any way I can credit Bill O'Brien for the other coach at least making the egregious mistake versus he himself? Well, look, I think the NFL is all about you have to avoid losing before you can win. And so what well, all this proves is too many teams don't figure out how to avoid losing. I think it's a documentation of that. And I know that sounds simplistic to say, and everybody says, yeah, Lombardi, that's right. Yeah, don't turn the ball over. Well, okay, the reality of it is if you can avoid losing, you that, that puts you in a position to win the game. And so far, some of these teams that they've played can avoid losing. And, the, and that's one thing the Texans didn't do early in the season. They were losing games before they could win them. 
and now they're watching the other team lose. The Texans, Mike, are obviously 6-3. and three. They're on this six-game winning streak. It may not feel quite like a 6-3, and three, but they seem to be clearly a, a tier or two below the top teams in the AFC. What could they do the rest of the way to make you feel like, hmm, maybe this team can actually do something in the postseason? Well, I think, look, they're hard to play defensively. I mean, Clowney's gotten healthier. He's gotten improved every week. J.J. Watt's gotten better every week. I think they've got to get their secondary back. And when they get their full team back, I think certainly they're going to be a better team. I mean, they signed Carter for the Eagles. He'll help them return kicks, maybe give them some help in the slot, which Irvin really couldn't do as a receiver. I mean, Irvin was the classic guy that can play all the positions but can't play any of them. And so, you know, they needed somebody other than that, and I think that improves their football team. And they just have to keep getting healthier. And I think they're defensive. They're, good. they're strong on defense. And, look, let's face it. I mean, Watson, when he's going and he's got Hopkins and now they've got Demarius Thomas, they can throw the ball to. I, I think they're a tough out. And as long as they don't beat themselves, you know, I thought they were going to lose to the, the Broncos because I didn't think the offensive line could protect as well. But they did. They gave them enough time, and Watson made the throws that counted. Mike, you give out honest opinions, and sometimes you're wrong. But when you're wrong, you admit you're wrong. There is a funny tweet that I saw this week from Tariq Cohen at you. Watch how you talk about my QB boy. And it got me thinking, of all the people, the players and coaches that you've interacted with, who has gotten the most angry with you over a take that you've had? I don't really know. You know, I think, look, it's, it's, it's funny. You know, when you're in the political arena, you give a take, nobody gets mad at you. In the football arena, you give a take and everybody has an opinion. I mean, I, I appreciate Tariq Cohen defending Mitchell Trubisky, but Mitchell Trubisky's 40 for 89 on throws over 10 yards. That's 40 for 89. That's less than 50%. He averages five, 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 five yards per attempt on third down. I mean, tell me he's beaten Buffalo and Arizona on the road. I mean, stop me when I tell you he's done things well. He, their, their offense is more in the 20s statistically than any team in the league. When you blitz Mitchell Trubisky, he ranks 28th in the NFL of quarterbacks. So all I'm doing is grading what I see. I have no grudge against Mitchell Trubisky. I'm just telling you what I see. <laughs> and what I see is a guy that doesn't throw the ball with any accuracy. And when you're 40 for 89 on throws over 10 yards, is that good? I mean, I'm not a mathematician, but is that good? <laughs> I know that that's the incredible thing is when people get angry about somebody who's clearly not playing well. Like it's not like you're no, no the Bears there. fans think no Bears fans. Think, I was in Chicago last week. I saw more Mitchell Trubisky jerseys than ever, and I and I was quoted on on, on a decent show saying that I wouldn't buy Mitchell Trubisky if he was on a discount rack at Feline's Basement. I mean, there's just no way I'm doing it. <laughs> Well, what, what happens if you swap Dak Prescott and Mitchell Trubisky? Oh, I think it's a better team. I mean, Dak Prescott was built to run that offense in Chicago. If, if, if Jason Garrett wasn't attending Dodger games and spent time in his office and utilized the Mississippi State offense for Dak Prescott, I think Dallas would be a better team. But they're stuck in the rut. They want to be in three receivers. They want to be three by one. They, want to, they don't want to use motion. They don't want to let the quarterback run with the ball. They're stuck in a time, and they're going to get fired because of it. If they don't win games, look, I said it on your air last week. They should have lottery protected that trade for Amari Cooper. They didn't. It's going to cost them. Well, on that note, I ranted about this, Mike, yesterday. I understand that Dak Prescott has not played as well, and he's looked kind of shaky, but I'm surprised by how many people nationally and out of Dallas, since we're relatively close here in Houston, seem to be so out on Dak. Being out on Garrett, I get. Being out on Linehan, I totally get. But it's not easy to find a new franchise quarterback. I'm still in wait and see mode on Dak Prescott. Where are you? I am, too. I think Dak Prescott's got a lot of ability. Look, you don't do what he did as a rookie and just cast him aside. He's got real ability, and I think he just needs the talent. Quarterbacks are like baseball stadiums. You've got to build a team around them, and you've got to utilize his skill set. When they were going really well back in the day when, when his rookie season, Witten was still a young player. 
Dez was actually playing even better, and they had Zeke, and the offensive line was well-coached and coming off the ball. Those three things aren't there anymore, so now you're going to blame Dak? I think that's unfair. You talk a lot about how important culture is, how culture trumps everything else. I'm curious to see what Des Bryant is like, and not even physically necessarily, but like what is Des Bryant like in a Sean Payton culture versus a Jason Garrett culture? Well, I think he'll define a role for him, right? I think I, I've said this in the time Des got, Des got released by the Cowboys. Des needs to play in the slot. He's a big inside slot. He's Marquise Colston. That's what I see him. He's not going to place, replace Michael Thomas on the outside or the young kid from, from uh, Central Florida. He's not going to replace either one of those guys on the outside. But he can play inside and give them that big receiver. Now, the problem Des is going to have is he's going from a numerical system where they called routes based on numbers, 463, okay, I'm the third receiver, I run a free route, into a, a verbiage system where he's going to run spacing, and he's got to know what the concepts are on spacing. And I think that's going to be challenging. And I think what you're going to see on Sunday in Cincinnati or anywhere he plays is, is Drew Brees coming out of the huddle saying, Des, go 15 yards and hook up. Marcus Mariota's looked good over the last couple of weeks. I tend to hyperbolize and call him a running back that's playing quarterback, which is not entirely accurate. However, the last two weeks he has played well. Is this something that the Texans should be worried about going forward, the rest of the AFC South should be worried about going forward, or is this just a couple of decent weeks that he's put together? When they win, they win with his feet. He's got 41 carries this year so far. In the three wins that he's he's orchestrated, he's carried the ball 17 times in those games. So he's going to run the ball when he has it. And I think that that's going to be the critical component. I mean, that's what the Patriots have to stop. They're, he's not going to beat the Patriots with his arm this week. He's going to beat them with his feet. And he's got to make plays, and he loosens it up. They don't have a receiver that's explosive down the field. I know they drafted Corey Davis, the fifth pick over on the draft. He has one play over 25 yards all season. It was a 51-yarder against the Eagles. He doesn't make enough plays down the field. They don't have an explosive offense. But with a quarterback's feet, that allows the offense to become more explosive and movement creates. So I think that's the way you've got to defend them. It's all about the pass rush. Listen to Belichick this week on NFL Films when he's mic'd up. He's talking to his defensive line, and all he's doing is talking about how the pass rush controls Rodgers. Nobody wants to talk about it on television. Nobody wants to hear it. The only way you stop a great quarterback is through the pass rush of the, of the rush. That's how you stop them. You control them in the pocket. That's the challenge when you play Mariota. Well, speaking of one of those guys, Genevion Clowney, Mike, here's my question. So the Texans did not give Clowney a contract extension this offseason. He's playing very well. He's one of their very, very best players. If he stays healthy for the next two months, do you feel like it's like a fait accompli that he's going to get a deal here? Oh, there's no doubt. they got to sign Clowney. Clowney gives, Clowney's a game changer. I mean, Clowney can change the game. You better make sure. And the more guys you have to have can get one-on-one blocks. I mean, you got Watt inside. you got Marcellus who can rush from the second level to the first level, and then you got Clowney. And all of a sudden, now you got guys, how are you going to double everybody? You can't double everybody. Somebody's got a single block, and that's where you get the advantage. And, and in football, the only way you're going to play good defense in the NFL today is through situational football, two minute at the end of the half. You've got to play great there. You've got to play great in the red zone. And that's when Clowney actually plays his best. That's the one thing. When, when we try to project this Texans team onto the playoffs, because they really haven't played many good teams at all so far this season, I, I start thinking about the Chiefs more than the Patriots even just because I don't know how, where the Texans match up versus all those skill players for the Chiefs. Is is a pass rush enough to make up for some of the stuff on the back, the back end, or, or are they kind of screwed at this point once they reach you're that? Not, you're not going to play great defense against the Chiefs. You have to play situational defense. you got to not let the big play get thrown over your head. 
which the Patriots did in the first half. The second half, they gave up 21 points. The kickoff return and the two explosive plays cost them and made the game closer than it probably was. So you got to play great situational football. At the end of the half, you can't let the ball get thrown over your head. you got to force as many third downs as you can when you play the Chiefs. If you can get them over 12, 13 third downs, you got a chance to keep the score down. Why? Because you're not giving up big plays. The more third downs you have, the less big plays you're giving up. And that's really the key to playing the Chiefs. And then when you play the Chiefs on defense, you better be really good on third down. This is where the Chiefs defense is good. They're a good third down defense. They're second in the NFL in that area. They can get off the field. The problem is most teams get first downs on two downs against the Chiefs. You had said on your podcast on The Ringer a couple days ago that Jerry Jones is never going to change, and and I believe you on that. But what happened? you remember a couple years ago the story was that Stephen Jones was taking more of an active role and he was going to be kind of Jerry's conscience? I feel like that fell apart completely. What happened there? I, I don't know. I just think their culture in Dallas is just suited to where the owner runs the team, the players know it. And the head coach is kind of at the mercy of what the owner wants to do. And, you know, and I think that's never a recipe for having great success. Michael Lombardi joining us on Mad Radio. So looking at the division in the AFC South, if I said that Indianapolis was the biggest threat as opposed to Jacksonville or Tennessee, would you buy that or is it, or would you not buy that? I would buy it because look, Indianapolis is second in the NFL in third down conversions. They, they execute. They don't make very many big plays. And let's face it, they haven't had half their team for most of the season. Now they're finally healthy. I think this is the point. Defensively, they're going to give you a lot of plays. They're going to play They're going to play a, a bend-but-don't-break defense. But they've got some good young talent on that defense. Darius Leonard can fly to the football. I think they'll be in every game. I think they're going to give up a lot of points. But if luck doesn't turn this thing over, I think they can be very effective. And I think they're going to be a threat. I think they're a good team that plays in the Dome. This will be a challenge. I think they're going to get the best punch Jacksonville. They get Leonard Fournette back this week. My man Blake Bortles will know every single coverage that's going to, he's going to face against in the defense, so he knows where he's going to go throw a ball. But Jacksonville drops, is the number one team in drop passes in the NFL. They make way too many mistakes. And if Blake turns this over, the Colts win. Mike, does uh, Le'Veon Bell play a snap this season? I mean, do you really care? I mean, the guy, I mean, how dumb is it? He threw $7 million in a toilet. Seriously. He did, I mean, really, he should get the largest fruit basket from the Steelers this year of any human being. Right? He did the Steelers a huge favor of all time. He gave them $7 million back, and he also said, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you $7 million and you can find my replacement. Please go ahead. I mean, really, seriously, if he went into a casino, they would comp him room, food, and beverage for the next 20 years. I'll tell you what. You know who needs to send him a fruit basket? I feel like Mike Munchak's negotiating power at this point, who's the offensive line coach. know Mike Munchak. He's the offensive line coach for the Steelers. Um, man, without Mike Munchak, I'm not sure this situation looks exactly like it does. But Munchak's one of the best coaches in football. There's no doubt. That line has always played above their talent level, and he's great. He's worth every nickel they pay him and more. Michael Lombardi, uh, you can buy his book, Gridiron Genius. It's awesome. I highly recommend you do so. Michael, appreciate it, man. Thanks, Seth. Michael Lombardi on Mad Radio. Check out his work on The Athletic, uh, The Ringer as well. I- this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.